Paleo Runner Podcast is devoted to finding better ways to live, run, train, and eat. I'm your host, Aaron Olson. You can find more information by going to paleorunner.org. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a review. Search for Paleo Runner in iTunes and click Ratings and Reviews. You can also follow me on Facebook.com slash RunPaleo or on Twitter at RunPaleo. I wanted to take a minute to let you know about a product I've been using called 3Fuel. 3Fuel is a sports drink that gives you fat, protein, and carbohydrates to use as a fuel source. Unlike sugar sports drinks, 3Fuel gets absorbed slowly into your bloodstream to give you sustained energy throughout your workout. If you'd like to give it a try, you can get 10% off by using the coupon code 3FOLSON. Go to paleorunner.org and click 3Fuel at the top of the page. If you're listening through the podcast app on iPhone, click the link displayed on the app right now. My guest today is Christopher Haig. Chris is an accomplished triathlete who follows a low-carb, high-fat diet. You can follow his blog and his racing at triathlonbuddha.blogspot.com. Chris, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks very much, Aaron. Yeah, so Chris, tell me a little bit about your background. Uh, how did you ever get interested in endurance sports in the first place? Um, well, I first got into endurance sports back in high school. Um, I went for the cross-country team uh, and went out. And on the first well, on the first day, went out and, you know, the coach said, you know, run the course. Um, don't do anything serious. And I went out and I stuck with the lead pack and I've been running ever since. Um, <laughs> so I ran high school, um, cross-country and track all throughout uh, high school. Um, and then at the end of high school, started getting into triathlon. Um, and originally didn't want to run college, but like in high school, went out the first day, stuck with the lead pack and the coach said, you're on the team. And so triathlon kind of took a backseat in college. I went cross country and track all the way through. I tried to do both in college, mm-hmm. uh, you know, training for triathlon in the morning and then running in the afternoon, double practices, six days a week, just took a toll and it's my body. And the coach said, you know, Chris, you got to make a decision. So just stuck with running throughout college. Um, both cross country and then the 5k, 10k and track. And then right after college ended, went back to triathlon and focusing more on the, the longer distances, um, was never really a speed guy. Um, my coach likes to say, you know, there's not a single fast switch muscle in my body. So mm-hmm. definitely I, I like the longer events. If you're going to train 20 to 25 hours a week, might as well spend your race, you know, the majority of your day out there. And, gotcha. uh, so focusing, have been focusing on the 70.3s for the past couple years. Years and are, is and I'm finally bumping up to the full distance next year. Okay, so for our listeners who are wondering, what kind of times are you running uh, in college and then getting into triathlon? In college, uh, I did in cross country for the 8K. I did right. a 25 30 on a fast course. Okay. Um, and then in on the did a 15 15 for the 5K on the track, and then a 32 flat for the 10K. So not incredibly fast times. Hmm. Um, but then in for once I got into the half marathons and the half distance for triathlons for the half marathon, my PR is a 114. And then, and I did that at the, the rock and roll, um, DC a couple of years ago and nice. then, um, did a one sixteen on a half Ironman, uh, oh. in Providence, uh, two years ago. Cool. Cool. So what, what kind of, uh, got you into the triathlon as you started to move out of college? I was a little burnt. I realized my body couldn't take the hundred mile, the hundred mile weeks anymore. Uh, my body was just kind of breaking down from all that running and I wanted a little bit more variety. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also like most runners who move on to triathlon. I wanted a bit more of a challenge. Uh, I like the variety that triathlon provided with you know, every single day is a different workout, whether it's on the bike or on the or on back on the track or in the pool. So I like that variety, uh, and it just provided a, you know a new challenge. Um, and I still love running. That's 
that's my favorite part of all three sports. Uh, but having that variety of being able to have days off from running and still be able to bike and swim was, is enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So Chris, one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on the show is because I had seen you comment on one of my blog posts about how you also followed a high fat, lower carb type of diet and kind of how that's been working out for you. Tell the listeners and the audience what you've been doing in the past few months with the higher fat diet. I first started um, throughout. I um, just as a preface, uh, mm-hmm. I had eating disorder all throughout high school and college. Um, so I was on. I was very much buying into the high high carb, very low fat, fat phobic diet. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know, bowl of cereal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, snacks, um, and I was always hungry every two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started to get into, and I was also perpetually injured. I was you know battling with depression, which kept on going. I was always hungry, obsessed about food, um, and it was just not the healthiest thing. Um, so after meeting with the nutritionist who encouraged me to eat more fat, I started to change my diet and eat more fat. Um, and then I switched more to you know this the 50 carb, 25 fat, 25 protein. And then I started to listen to people like Vinny Tortorich and Ben Greenfield and the Fit Fat Fast podcast with John Smith um, and researched high fat diets a bit more and so you know it having a high fat diet you know reduces injury but doesn't reduce performance you know you're satiated so you can you know go out for a long ride for on um, 40 calories um or half a scoop of you can and be fine and that really started to appeal to me so this past year i started to tip my um macronutrients more to a high fat diet didn't really tweak too much during this past season but then once my season ended this year when you know, decided, you know, why not try it out? What's the worst that could happen? So mm-hmm. went in September, went pretty much on a 50, uh, 50% fat, 20, uh, 20 to 25% uh, carb, and then a 25 to uh, 30% protein diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has been fantastic. Um, I've noticed as a teacher, I, you know, all my kids are getting sick. My coworkers are getting sick, but for some reason, and I think it's because of the diet, I'm not getting sick. Um, I'm able to go out for a four hour ride, um, hold the same power numbers that I was during the season when I was, you know, chomping down a bar, 200 to 300 calories an hour mm-hmm. and only be able to use 40 calories. I use half. Uh, I went for a ride <laughs> last Saturday mm-hmm. on, um, had a fat shake beforehand and then just had 40 calories if you can in a water bottle and was perfectly fine for four hours which <laughs> it's amazing um con- con- considering i was using you know for a four-hour ride before i was using a thousand calories wow uh, my recovery is improved i can do a workout in the morning and then be recovered by the afternoon um and I think that's partially just because, as I read in uh, Finian Bullock's book, um, the fat's just a cleaner burning fuel. Mm-hmm. You don't have the the byproducts of carbohydrates um, that prevents your the infla- uh, inflammation um, that results from eating carbohydrates and sugar um, that results. So keeping going with more for fat for recovery and fat as fuel, you don't have those byproducts and that stress on your body. Um, so lack of um, recovering better, sleeping better, and overall, like. 
I'm not craving food anymore. Um, for the first time in my life, I'm not obsessed about food. Uh, and I'm, I've always felt like pretty much throughout college and high school, I felt like I was on the brink of depression always. And mm. I think that had to do partially with carbohydrates. Uh, and I think it was because sugar, sugar is a, sugar is a drug. It changes the way your brain chemistry works. And I think that had something to do with, you know, my constant in and out of depression and switching to a high fat diet. I think with burning ketones, it's, it's like happy, happy drugs in your brain, but <laughs> natural. Um, so I'm not a scientist. I'm not a full on doctor, but from what I read, this coincides with the, the high fat, low carb diet. Uh, and when I say low carb, I don't mean I'm not, ke- I'm not Atkins. I don't do under 50 grams of carbohydrate. I usually have about 150 grams on average carbs a day, 150 grams. And mm-hmm. then um, with about 75 grams of net carbs, uh, mostly from, ve- so most of my carbs are pretty much from vegetables, okay. uh, leafy greens, broccoli, um, those are my spinach. Those are my two carbs. So I, I eat a lot of vegetables. So, so explain, that's explain what you mean by net carbs there. So people can understand. Um, net carbs is you have total carbs and net carbs and total carbs is just all the carbs you eat. And the net carbs is your total carbs minus your fiber, your dietary fiber intake. Okay. Interesting. Uh, net carb. Net carbs are the total amount of fluctuation. The the carbs that actually affect your are digested by your body and affect your blood sugar mm-hmm. uh, significantly. Fiber just your body doesn't process fiber as well. It still uses it as uh, absorbs the nutrients, but it doesn't affect your blood sugar as much as um, something like sugar. Right. Interesting. So you're you you made this transition from being pretty much fat phobic, super concerned about your weight all the time. At what? When did you get over that? Just since this past year, you've been uh, adding more fat in your diet, and you started feeling better about yourself and your body image. Or has this has this been a, a long struggle for you? Or you know, how long has it taken to get over that? It's been it's been it's taken me about ten years to got to get in the stage of recovery where I'm finally comfortable with my body image. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really my good feelings about my, my self-confidence, my good feelings about my body and my acceptance of my body really started to develop this past year. Um, yeah, it's, and that coincided with the high fat diet, whether it's, you know, correlations, not causation. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think having a higher fat diet and being able to being more comfortable, um, with eating fats and, you know, eating more naturally has helped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that, um, your rides, you're only taking in 40 calories total for a whole four hour ride. Is is that correct? That is correct. Um, wow. I did. Well, I, I do have a big breakfast beforehand. Uh-huh. Um, have my typical pre ride um, sh- uh, fat shake is um, one full avocado, um, pumpkin. Um, so about six ounces of pumpkin. Mm-hmm. Um, about two scoops of vegan protein powder. Um, and I use Sun Warrior or Jaros. And in addition to that, I might add, a, depending on how I feel and how I, um, and how long the ride is, if it's a short ride, like two hours, I will skip a, um, if it's over two hours, excuse me, if it's over two hours, um, I will add in a can of coconut milk, light coconut milk from uh, Trader Joe's, mm-hmm. uh, and mix that all up. And total calories for that's about, I calculated it, it's between 550 and 600. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have that about an hour and a half beforehand. And then 
you know, have a uh, two water bottles and one uh, little flask of half a scoop of uh, UCAM. Um, and that's all I need. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel I've, you know, my power numbers are good. I don't really sip on that until the two hour mark, the three hour mark. And mm-hmm. that's just enough to get me through the, the rest of the ride. And I'm holding a pretty good clip. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing about, you know, 3.5, 3.8 watts per kilogram uh, for my average power. And that feel that feels easy, you know, keeping my heart rate low. Uh, but at the same time, I finished the ride and I feel like I could go for out for a run. Awesome. That that's that's so cool to hear. So, how has the diet affected your weight? Have you gained weight? Have you lost weight? What what's that like? Like you, I've actually gained weight, but mm-hmm. my body composition has remained the same. I've remained at 5% body fat, but have put on 10 pounds of lean muscle since last year. Really? Okay. So, my my body fat percentage has remained the same, but my muscle mass has increased, uh which is which is great. Um how so does, I, I just, uh, is that going to affect your speed on the bike at all if you're putting on muscle mass? Yeah, it's, it's improved my speed on the bike okay. um, and also my energy levels on the bike. Um, I'm able to hold a higher watts per kilogram and a higher speed or power output without tiring as quickly. That's awesome. Okay. How about for the run? For the run, my speeds have decreased a little bit. Um, I was able to, you know, my race pace was about for at least for the half iron, it's about 550. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's gone to more like six minutes. I'm not sure if that is because I'm able to push harder on the bike, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, um, pushing my, my, uh, half time making my um, half marathon time slower or it's because of the extra weight not exactly sure mm-hmm. and so I've, i haven't done an, I think an open road race um yet i haven't done an open road race since um since last year actually um okay. since last thanksgiving so i haven't been able to you know really test out whether my my half time has um decreased because of the extra weight okay yeah chris you actually just wrote a, a great blog post on your blog triathlonbuddha.blogspot.com about uh racing weight and how it you know it sounds like you still kind of obsessively check it but it sounds like it's probably more in a healthy way now and one of the things you can point out is that um your mental how you're feeling mentally has a big effect on performance it's not just your weight and mm-hmm. o- over the years as you, as your weight has fluctuated with your eating disorder have you noticed any um correlation between racing times and your muscle mass or your weight Oh, uh, I think psycholo- um, psychologically, like I, it used to be, you know, if I stepped on the scale and my race, if my weight, if I stepped on the scale in the morning of the race and mm-hmm. I was so obsessive about my weight that I would bring my scale wherever I went. So really? I would be able to weigh myself race morning. That's how bad it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if my weight was not where I want it to be the morning of the race, I don't think like it would get into my head mm-hmm. and I would, you know, if I was overweight, like if I, if I gained weight, like leading up to a race, I would say to myself, Oh, it's not going to be that great of a race, um, mm-hmm. which affected, I think my performance. Right. Um, or if, you know, I stepped on the scale and it was light, you know, halfway, if I was, if I started to fade, I would go, Oh damn, you know, I'm too light. So I really let my, my weight dictate my performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, now, even though I, it's more of a habit checking my weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, as I said in the blog, you know, I make it a rule, you know, this is not going to affect me. I step on the scale and if I see a high number, I go, oh, that's interesting. And then, you know, I go out for my ride or go out for my training ride and I don't really af- let it affect me, but I was like, oh, a higher weight, my times aren't really affected. You mm-hmm. know, I'm able to do a 545 mile or a 530 mile tempo mile 
at this higher weight or at this lower weight. So I, it's kind of, I do it more of a habit now, but it's not affecting the way I see my performance or let it dictate how I perform. Mm -hmm. uh, so as, as my weight switching over to the high fat diet has made me less concerned about my weight and more concerned about how more concerned about, you know, how I'm mentally approaching a race. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Chris, uh, give me an idea of what kind of foods you're actually eating on, on a day-to-day -day basis. Because I think one of the things about going to a higher fat diet is you can have a lot more nutrient dense foods. I mean, things like butter, coconut oil, olive oil, um, uh, and just having the freedom to kind of consume those foods, ad libitum. Um, what, what kind of foods are you eating? I'm about nine, uh, I would say I'm about 90% plant-based. I'm not a full-on vegetarian, mm -hmm. um, but I'm about 90% uh, plant-based. I used to be a vegetarian and that just wreaked havoc on my hormones. Um, and that's another thing that the high fat diets changed is it's, it's increased my testosterone levels. Um, uh, my thyroid functions a lot healthier, um, as is just, you know, my, my overall adrenal, adrenal health. Mm -hmm. Um, but my everyday foods, I pretty much eat the same thing, almost the same thing every day. I don't get tired of the same foods. Okay. Um, and so every morning, usually I have, um, similar to my pre-race, my pre-long ride work, uh, shake. I have one whole avocado, some plant-based protein powder, um, a little bit of almond milk, uh, some chia seeds and, uh, blend that up into kind of like a pudding consistency. Mm -hmm. Um, have that for breakfast with some coffee, um, mid morning, because I usually work out in the morning. Um, if I do work out in the morning, I usually have about a tablespoon of coconut butter before I work out, um, along with some coffee, mm -hmm. um, work out for about an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours. This is during the week. Um, and then have my, my, um, avocado pudding. And then about, I would say four hours later, I kind of get a little hungry again. So I have a handful of almonds. And then for lunch, I usually have about, uh, I usually have a, like a large salad with spinach, um, spinach sprouts, hard boiled eggs, and some veggies chopped up with some homemade, um, olive oil salad dressing. Um, what I do is I have a little bit of a tomato paste, olive oil, um, Bragg's amino, uh, Bragg's amino acid and roll that up together. And that's makes it awesome salad dressing. Um, but three hard boiled eggs and the, the large salad. And then if I'm working out in the afternoon as well, I might have, um, a small snack before I work out or just go into the workout straight on, uh, might, if depending on the intensity might have some, you can beforehand, uh, but, or if I'm not working out in the afternoon, then just go all the way to dinner, completely satiated. And then for dinner, I usually have roasted kale, uh, with, um, nutritional yeast, uh, salsa, and then two cans of sardines. Awesome. Wow. That sounds pretty good. And, and you don't get sick of that on a day-to-day -day basis. Not really. Um, I mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, I, I, I like the consistency, um, and yeah. the taste, I, I mix up the herbs and the seasoning, um, or depending what's on season, what's on sale at the store. Um, sometimes, you know, broccoli. Uh, some steamed broccoli in the uh, in the with the roasted kale, some cauliflower, some carrots. It it all depends on the season or how I'm feeling. But that's right. the typical basis, uh, the typical like foundation of my diet. Mm -hmm. And you know, Chris, it sounds like uh, you like a lot of uh, runners and triathletes. They're pretty. Sounds like you're pretty obsessive about checking different uh, body measurements and things like that. You said that your testosterone <laughs> actually went up and your thyroid function is doing well. So give me an idea. How do you check that? And you also 
also said you mentioned your body fat. Do you, do you check that on a daily basis? Um, yeah, I'm definitely a, um, uh, yeah, obsessive. Um, <laughs> but I also, I like to nerd out on all the, all the, the data and see how, you know, see how my body's functioning. Um, yeah. it might be a bod- byproduct of the eating disorder, but now it's kind of, you know, treating my body instead of as punishment, more of like as an experiment, um, as something, you know, interesting to see how food, like my body reacts to different foods. But I check, um, I check a bunch of different metrics. Um, so for testosterone, I get my blood work done every six months. Uh, and then, um, blood work, go to the doctor or how does that work? Um, yeah, I go to the doctor, um, and he does blood draws, um, and we do a whole entire, uh, hotel, whole entire profile pretty much every six months. Um, and Uh, then get your doctor to agree to that. He's very much holistic. Um, he is very much of the same mindset that I am, Mm -hmm. uh, which is very fortunate. Uh, I know a lot of doctors, they're like, why do you need all of this? (laughs) Right. Um, my doctor, he's an athlete. Um, he gets the, he gets the high fat, low carb diet. He's very much a proponent of that. Um, he's an endocrinologist. Um, and he is very, he's one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best because he's, he's open to this high fat, low carb. He sees a lot of diabetic patients. So he's very much, you know, cutting down the sugars. Mm -hmm. Um, but he also, he's treated a lot of patients for low testosterone and he's very much anti drugs, especially for someone as young as me. I'm only 24. And to see someone that have low testosterone, testosterone is like chris you have the you know testosterone of a 84 year old man let's fix this naturally you shouldn't be put on viagra or axion or whatever they're giving out Mm -hmm. uh so he's very so that's that's how i get the blood uh that's how i got him signed on to it um or he got me signed on to it rather Mm -hmm. um and then so i do that every six months um just to check you know my omega-3 to omega-6 fatty acid ratios um my thyroid function so my t3 and t4 levels my iron uh, my testosterone levels, my free testosterone levels, and then of course my uh, cholesterol um, as well. Um, and my cholesterol is actually, even though I, you know, I'm consuming all this saturated fat with, you know, the coconut butter and the coconut milk and the egg and the whole eggs, my cholesterol is almost borderline low. Hmm. Um, the my uh, LD, uh, LDH cholesterol or LDL cholesterol, the the, the bad cholesterol right. that actually did not register on my last blood draw okay. um, because it was so low. Um, and my HDL was perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for all those people who say, "Oh, saturated fat's bad for you," I I do not buy into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also other metrics that I track um, every week, I do um I've got a something called a um I have an ultrasound for body fat measurement. Uh, so I'm able to it's made by body metrics um, and it pretty it gives you an ultrasound on three different parts of your body and calculates body fat percentage on that. Uh, and then uh, how uh, much does that cost? Is that something uh, that I got off cheap off eBay? Uh-huh. Um, so usually it costs about three hundred. I got it for seventy five dollars off eBay, and that's the the most reliable. Um, from what I've heard, but with the exception of a DEXA scan, that's the most reliable body fat uh, body fat measurement uh, mm-hmm. tool. Um, so I do that um, weekly or every other week. You know, if I miss a measurement, it doesn't really matter too much. Um, but I try to keep you know because I'm doing this high fat diet and I'm also weight weight lifting more. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure I want to see you know am I gaining weight? Am I gaining fat? Or am I gaining muscle? Right, um, right. And what's what's going on? What's going on beneath the skin? Um, which is which is why I do it. So that's um, body fat. And then every morning I take my ketone levels as well as my blood glucose levels. Okay. Yeah. So your ketone levels, how, how has that been going? Tell, uh, tell me a little bit about that. What are your levels at? And have you noticed that different foods give you different levels? 
Yeah, I've uh, my blood ketones. I've been testing consistently around the 0.6 to 0.7 levels, mm-hmm. and then if I have um, a slightly higher carb day, it will go down to about the 0.4 level, uh, and that's um, th- that's morning fasted. Uh, so it depends. Like if I like if I have about if I have over 200 carbs a day, and that's mostly from vegetables or pumpkin, or uh, it's not from bread. I don't eat bread, mm-hmm. uh, but if I do have more carbs or even more protein, mm-hmm. a higher protein day, my ketones will go down like 0.4. Okay. And uh, consistently, it's been around the 0.6.7 level, uh, which I think um, uh, Finney and Bullock uh, define as moderate ketosis. Right. Um, it's not the, the 1.0 k- uh, ketone levels that most people get. And I think that's mostly because of my protein intake, because it is at 30%. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what's keeping me from going to the point one, uh, the 1.0. Um, but that's pretty much my, my keep my average ketone levels after a workout. I've also been testing it after workouts just to see where it is and whether I've been burning ketones while I'm working out, they jump to about 1.5. Okay, interesting. And what what kind of uh, meter are you using for the ketone? Uh, Precision Extra. It's a okay. um, it's the one that I, I got it off Jimmy Moore. Uh, Jimmy Moore recommended it. It right. does blood glucose as well as ketones. Um, and it also has the it's from what I found it has the cheapest strips because it's not the it's not the measure uh, the measure that's the expensive part. It's the strips that are the expensive part. Um, but it's you know they're not as expensive as they used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when um, I first started to test. You know, you could only get them by um, by prescription um, from your doctor, or you had to buy them over the counter. Uh-huh. Um, but now you can get them off eBay. You can get them off. You can get them off cheap sites. Um, you can get them off Amazon even. Uh, so that's that's what I use. The precision. It's the uh, precision extra, and that does both blood ketones and blood glucose. Okay. So Chris, tell me a little bit about your training. What is that like? Has it changed at all since you've been on the lower carb diet? Uh, at first, um, when I first started go carb, it was my off season, so I was really taking some time off uh so i just pretty much was adapting to adapting to the higher fat diet wasn't really training that much and then since the beginning of october have been starting to step up the training a little bit uh typically i train about 15 right now 15 hours a week um that's going to go up to 20 starting about mid-december and then about go pretty much consistently between 20 and 25 from january all throughout next season um and typically i do um in a typical week, Monday is usually my bike training or my uh, bike trainer day. So I'll do intervals on my bike trainer, uh, followed by a brief 30 minute run with pickups. Mm-hmm. And then Tuesday, I hop in the pool um, and do um, and do a pool session that usually lasts like an hour to an hour and a half. Wednesday is my uh, hard run run day. So whether I'm on the track or doing hill repeats or doing a tempo run. Um, Thursday, I'm back in the pool uh, for more of a instead. Tuesday's usually speed. Uh, Thursday's usually endurance. Um, Friday is um, either an off day, depending on how I feel, or um, if I'm feeling good, another swim. Saturday is my long ride day, um, and then Sunday is my long run day. Uh, and then I do three three weightlifting sessions a week. Okay, cool, cool. So, has have you noticed like on your harder days that was it difficult when you first started to reach the paces that you wanted? 
Yes. Um, when I first started to go to a higher fat diet, started using you can, uh, that like, I was only able to go about two and a half hours without fuel. And by the end of those two and a half hours, I was dead. Like I was not like, I would, you know, come home and I would be like, Oh God, I'm tired. Um, you know, and I was going slower and you know, my paces weren't there. My power wasn't there. And then about three weeks into it, it just clicked. Um, and I, I was able to, you know, start increasing my mileage, increasing my times, um, with no problem. Um, the only problem I've encountered with the high fat diet is with weightlifting. Um, when I weightlift in the afternoon, I need to have some sort of carbohydrate beforehand, okay. um, whether okay. it's a fruit or I've actually really like Amarita bars. Um, they're a sponsor of mine and I've fallen in love with them. They're all natural, all, all organic, all plant-based, no gluten, no dairy. Um, those I love having before a workout and they don't, because they have chia seeds and fat in them, they don't spike my blood sugar like a normal cliff bar or power bar does. Mm-hmm. Um, usually my, my, I've tested it because I'm, I'm a geek like that um my blood glucose before is about 80 after the amarita bar i have the energy i have the you know the energy to hit the heart uh hit it hard in the weight, the weight room but my blood sugar is only about 95 wow okay cool so chris you, you've done a lot of testing you've you've done a lot uh of learning in the past few months do you have any tips for people out there who want to give this a try for the first time i would say my major tip is go easy at first. Do not think that you'll be able to hold the same amount of training that you did beforehand uh, on this new diet. Uh, really take you know two weeks off, three weeks off to fully adapt to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my first tip. My second tip is forget the scale. Um, and that's, you know, that's rich coming for me because I, you know, I weigh myself daily, but forget <laughs> your goal is weight loss. Do not look at the scale for, I would say three or four weeks. Okay. Trust that the diet's going to work. Um, a lot of people see fat weight, uh, they lose fat quickly right off the bat. Um, and they lose four or five, six, you know, even 10 pounds in a week. And that's mostly because of, um, that's mostly because they're losing water weight. Carbohydrate a lot makes you hold water. Um, but reducing that carb makes you shed water. So, and then they plateau and then they get frustrated and they go back to their normal ways. So forget the scale, forget the numbers and just roll with it. Have trust in the trust in the diet. And then if it doesn't work out for five, eight months, really look at your macros, really look at what you're eating. Uh, and, but don't give up on it. See, see if you can make it work. Um, it's not for everyone, but you really do have to give it a fair shot. So that's my second piece of advice. And my third piece of advice is, you know, treat your body as an experiment. Um, you know, see, see how it reacts. Um, it does take time, but you know, it's, you know, make it tweak it till it works. Um, you don't have to go completely ketogenic for it to work. Um, a high fat diet, you get to see benefits of a high fat diet and the metabolic efficiency, even without going into ketosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that's afraid and too wrapped up in, Oh, I have to be in ketosis for it to work. You don't have to be in ketosis for it to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people, Vinnie Tortorich, I know John Smith says it. Um, you do not have to be in ketosis for a high fat to, for a high, to see the benefits of a high fat diet. Right, right. Well, that that's awesome advice, Chris. And and you know, I hope people that are curious about it may, maybe try it out because the advantages of not having to take all the goos and gels out on your rides or runs is just huge. I mean, for me, that's been one of the big factors. 
And also, like, um, one other piece of advice is it's it's eye-opening once you start to see where all the hidden sugar and the hidden carbohydrates are. Mm-hmm. You know, when people first switch to Atkins, they go, you know, a lot on the deli meats and a lot on, like, the processed meats and everything. And that's all right until you look at the label and see that the second label of the second ingredient on that piece of beef jerky and on that ham that you got from the gas station or from the grocery store or from Oscar Mayer, the second ingredient's um sugar right. so you kind of you got to be careful but yeah not having to consume goos on long rides or runs and be able to actually get faster as you go like as you do more has is one of the biggest benefits mm-hmm. and chris what what do you have coming up for races um i'm taking next year i have in january i've got the uh pf chang's rock and roll half in january um december i've got the phoenix Mar- or Ma- march i've got the phoenix marathon um and then i've got my two big races next year are going to be um eagle man 70.3 in june and then iron man boulder in august and you know if the stars align and you know i play my cards right and i you know don't do anything stupid um hopefully uh fingers crossed i might be able to get a kona slot uh but who knows i'm aging up in age group so that's it's gonna be tough Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really going to have to work hard at it, but that's, that's, that's the goal. Awesome. Awesome. Well, good luck in those races. And Chris, it's been great talking with you, everyone. Check out his uh, blog, triathlonbuddha.blogspot.com. Uh, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, Chris. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Aaron. And uh, thank you for putting on a great show. I, I'm just starting to, I'm just starting to catch up on the back episodes. I've been following your blog for a while, um, but I'm just starting to get into the podcast too. Uh, they're definitely a help on the long rides. You've been listening to another Paleo Runner podcast. If you like podcasts, you're also going to like Audible.com. Audible has over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Kindle, Android, or MP3 player. If you'd like to get a free audiobook download, go to audibletrial.com slash paleorunner or click on the link displayed on the app right now. Thanks for listening.